I like the school my uh, kids go to, and I like the um, uh, just had some fantastic teachers. I mean, just fantastic human beings. Changes a kid's life. Amazing that these people do this for a living and are so good at it. They're. <laughs> I did. I talk about how I volunteered the last day of school, which seems like it was a week ago. Um, for last year, and they 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 had these various projects for kids, and I was the parent overseeing. Little kids driving nails into tin cans with a hammer. And a whole bunch of third graders with hammers and nails and swinging hammers and sharp things. I mean, like, it was just driving me crazy. And then people were swinging it, trying to swing at each other and hitting rocks and hitting the building. And it just, and it was just trying to keep the, the cats herded. I mean, it, yeah. my blood pressure was like 900 over 600. Right. <laughs> and I said to the teacher, how do you do this all day, every day? And it just takes a different sort of person. I'm but anyway, thrilled to hear kids were uh, had hammers and nails. I was pretty shocked by it. But yeah. anyway, uh, but I, I'm very bothered by the, uh, the the curriculum that is forced down a lot of schools' throats, um, whether the teachers agree with it or not. I mean, I don't blame teachers or anything like that for that. But um, there was a, a moment last year where my son brought up somebody they were studying in school for history. I'd never heard of this person in my life, and I'm a history nut. I mean, mm. I, I've been reading books, watching shows, just taking classes for my whole life. I've been into this, and I didn't know who this person was. And 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 it, it was a major topic of conversation in his class, and he doesn't know who Thomas Jefferson is. Oh, boy. And I just I found that striking. Yeah. Activist history. Here's one of the latest things that they're proposing for California schools. Uh, ethnic, ethnic studies, and there's here a description on the website of what this will include. Ethnic studies is ex-disciplinary. Okay, we're, uh, we're four uh, words uh, in. Point of order? We're four words in and already at a word that I don't know what it means. In that it variously takes the forms of being interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary, transdisciplinary, unidisciplinary, and intradisciplinary. Okay, that's just a whole bunch of words. Um, How do you climb up your own butt? I mean, I don't even understand the mechanics of it. And there are people, I mean, who wrote that, who are just way up there. As such, it can grow its original language. We're growing language now, people. Oh, hello, calling Dr. Orwell, calling Dr. Orwell. To serve these needs with purposeful respellings of terms. Now we're, we're, we're creating language and respelling ah, things. Like they did in the French Revolution, among others. Including history as herstory and women as Wimixen? W-O-M-X-N. Yes. Finally. Connecting with a gender. Women liberated from that damned E. Am I right, ladies? Who's with me? So they're going to respell history as herstory and women as Wimixen? Connecting with a gender and sexuality lens along with a socioeconomic class lens at three of its intersections. Terms utilized throughout this document, which may be unfamiliar to new practitioners of the field and every other homo sapien on Earth, and and, (laughs) by the grace of God, will vanish into the dustbin of history soon, I hope, are defined in the glossary, which is another thing that you have to click on. Yes, I mean, I just read, that's one of the very first paragraphs describing what this new ethnic studies thing is going to be in the public schools, and I don't even understand a tenth of what they're talking about. And listen, they would respond, well, you're ignorant of the terms you need to know and the principles that we've been teaching your poor undergrads, and you need to learn yourself up on this. Your ignorance is not our problem. 
They're, so, they're going to focus on the achievement gap between students of different racial backgrounds. This debt refers to what students of color in the United States are owed after centuries of educational trauma, dehumanization, and enforced sociopolitical, culture, historical, economic, and moral constraints via the education system. You know what they need to teach those people is how to write a short declarative sentence. <laughs> I mean, my God, you, you need to, like, pack a lunch midway through each of those sentences. And, and here's the key sentence after that one. Oh, boy, brace yourselves. Which, you know, some of that stuff you get into o- o- older grades, fine. You know, we can talk about that and discuss oh, yeah. that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I sure don't want to see any of that in, like, second and third grade. I really don't. Oh, you've got to start can, the indoctrination young, can, Jack. Can you just work on reading and math? No, no way. That's not nearly as important as the right political attitudes. But here's the key. Ethnic studies intentionally works toward helping pay this education debt. Ooh, we're paying debts now. We're going to right the wrongs of the past somehow and straighten that out. Your children are, yes. Hmm. So, listen, I have a little more of the uh, Ethnic the studies of the- has created a space for all students to learn about and analyze their identities and herksteries? H-X-R-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. Somebody's going to tell me how to pronounce that so I can mock it. And I'll be mocking it. Read this piece uh, in the uh, Wall Street Journal by Williamson Evers. Why does everybody have a cooler name than me? Williamson. Wow. Um, California's uh, Education Department has issued an ethnic studies model curriculum and is soliciting public comments. The uh, This mandated guide, the legislature of Cal Unicornia passed this garbage. It's mandated now. Um, written by an advisory board of teachers, academics, and bureaucrats. It's as bad as you imagine, writes old uh, Mr. Evans. Ethnic studies is described in the document as the interdisciplinary study of race, ethnicity, and indigeneity. That would be your indigenous people, I guess. With an emphasis on experiences of people of color in the United States. But that's not all it is. It is the study of intersectional and ancestral roots, coloniality, hegemony, hegemony, and a dignified world where many worlds fit for present and future generations. It is the ex-disciplinary, loving, and critical praxis of holistic humanity. Instead of how to spell. You know, you know, Tell me that, that I'm not overreacting, or I am overreacting by boiling it down to this. The uh, the emphasis is going to be white people are bad and caused all the problems for everybody that's not white, yes. and America caused all the problems for the rest of the world. Oh, there's way... That's the point of this. That's the first class. Don't never, ever trust whitey. Well, that's good advice, but... um, So that's that's where it begins. Listen to this, though. And, and, and first... Some just some mockable and then the serious stuff. The document is filled with fashionable academic jargon like positionalities, hybridities, and naplantas. And naplantas, miss, isn't that like a it's like a banana but not as sweet? Um, and misogynoir. It includes faddish social science lingo like cis-heteropatriarchy that may make sense to radical university professors and activists, but doesn't mean much to the regular folks who send their children to California's public schools. It's difficult to comprehend the depth and breadth of the ideological bias and misrepresentations without reading the whole curriculum, something few will want to do. Let's begin with economics. Capitalism, or as I prefer, the free market. Is described as capitalism is a word invented by Karl Marx as a slur. 
Right. It has become accepted, and people don't always mean it as a slur when they say it now. Right. Well, no, I, it still bothers me a little bit, but in but the same market, way gay people have taken back queer, um, I guess maybe we're taking back capitalism. But free market is a better term. Absolutely. Capitalism is described as a form of power and oppression alongside patriarchy, racism, white supremacy, and ableism. Capitalism and capitalists appear as villains several times in the documents. And indeed, it's heavily implied that capitalism is in itself racist. On politics, the model curriculum is similarly left-wing. One proposed course promises to explore the African-American experience, quote, from the pre-colonial ancestral roots in Africa to the transatlantic slave trade and enslaved people's uprisings in the antebellum South to the elements of hip-hop and African cultural retentions. Um, and then they list a bunch of people to s- discover, including, you know, uh, terrorists and revolutionaries and cop killers and the rest of it. Um, although, you know, I, I'm fine with studying villains as long as they're portrayed as villains. Um, Did you oh. get around to studying the Founding Fathers, though? Have you done that yet? See, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff you got to do also. Yeah, yeah. Um, l- listen to this. Oh, my God, this is how far it goes. This may be the single most troubling uh, development in wackadoo academia, wackademia, if you will. Their description of critical thinking. You may have heard us talking about how in modern college debates now, the idea of building a logical case is being rejected in favor of, this is my truth! And if you're adamant about it and feel it emotionally, you win the debate, which is absurd and terrifying. Listen to this. The curriculum is entirely wrongheaded when it comes to critical thinking. Critical thinking is described not as reasoning through logic and consideration of evidence, but rather a vague deconstruction of power relationships so that one can, quote, speak out on social issues. Thinking critically, quote, requires individuals to evaluate phenomenon through the lens of systems, the rules within those systems, who wields power within systems, and the impact of that power on the relationships between people existing within symptoms. In other words, you can reject that which is plainly true if you don't like the people who came up with it. It is entirely race-based logic. We used to do that sort of thing in America. If a black man says it, it doesn't matter. If a black woman feels it, it doesn't matter. Y'all want to keep that going. You just want the power to do it yourselves. It's disgusting, and you need to reject it immediately and strenuously. Don't let this crap be taught in your schools. So we got to, uh, we should link this at our website, Hanson, just because you might think we're making this up or this is an exaggeration. This is on the California government website. Governor Brown, it says right here on the website, Governor Brown, he, the, the last governor of California, uh, required the State Board of Education to adopt an ethnic studies model curriculum. And this is a this is a layout of what uh, what they're discussing, and you, it's you read all this stuff we were just talking about these crazy terms, herkstry. Yeah, the Wall Street Journal is really protective of their content. They got the big paywall and everything. I'd love to be able to distribute this, but I want to make sure we do it in a way that won't get us sued, because uh, this piece is excellent and it's a nice little thing to keep handy with you as 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 this comes to the fore in your public schools. And and again, you know, for those who don't live in Cal Unicornia. It is coming your way, guaranteed. They are teaching this stuff at Ohio State. 
They're teaching it at Rice and Rutgers. They're teaching it at Central Florida and my uh, alma mater, the University of Illinois. I guarantee you they're indoctrinating people 24-7, and you got to be aware of this stuff. This course is crap. It's crap? It's crap. This course is designed to help students develop an intersectional and global understanding of the impact of race and racism. They'll learn about the interlocking systems of oppression and privilege that impact all people of color. Even as there's an enormous problem with just having kids at grade level in math and reading. And the STEM stuff. But listen, Chairman Mao knew it, Pol Pot knew it, Hitler knew it, Stalin knew it. The read and write and stuff is of no importance compared to the political indoctrination. If you want to change the world to your vision, you got to get the kids believing the right stuff. Some examples of systems of power we will study are white supremacy, capitalism, and patriarchy. Right. Right. Huh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. Boy, and then you put that in the hands of various people. Take it, take it, you know. Put it on steroids. Right, right. Well, listen, we'll be collecting this stuff best we can over the next few minutes and a couple hours, and we'll have it available for you at armstrongandgetty.com. Again, so you can have it at your fingertips. Uh, so so keep checking, all right? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. A London man was fined for eating a squirrel at a vegan food festival. In his defense, it was the least gross thing to eat there. Yeah. That's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> David Spade in his new show, which I actually haven't watched. You tuned it in yet? I haven't seen it, though, the whole yeah. thing. I, I catch all the clips that I can find, though. But does it and look? What time is it on? Or is that an irrelevant old guy thing to ask? I think kind it, of. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's why I'm asking. I think it airs proper after the Daily Show on I Comedy only, Central. I only need to know what time something is once to set my DVR, and then after that, I yeah. don't have any idea what time anything is on that I watch. Just it's it's on my DVR somewhere. Yeah, he's got a little monologue thing. He'll have guests. I think he had Dana Carvey on last does night. Does he have there a were... desk? I mean, does it look like most of your to- talk shows and stuff? Or? No, the it's it's much more kind of like a. Uh, like the last hour of the Today Show, like it's kind of couches just kind of sitting around. Okay. Like the old Tom Snyder show, if you're old enough. <laughs> or the old Merv Griffin show. <laughs> oh, right, exactly. Those weird swivel what chairs. What is that, the olden days? Yes, right. right. For the ancient people. Right. Uh, a couple of movie notes. Um, this review of Dora and the Lost City of Gold is hilarious. Some oh. Hollywood reporter, well, the guy who writes for the Hollywood Reporter reviewed it and was really bothered by uh, Dora the Explorer ignoring the sexuality of its teen stars, whatever that means. Also came across this. Can we please ignore it? Turns out this is a thing, which is not surprising, which I learned it, but I didn't know it. A lot of your big action stud stars, they have in their contract that their character never gets beat up or loses a fight. Oh. Or takes more punches than they give. Because it's part of their whole look and uh, and, and the oh, way they make the their money. actors themselves. Yeah, I don't get beat up. You get beat up. I win fights. Yeah. My characters win fights. That's how I get in more big blockbusters, because I'm the guy who beats up people. This has probably wow. always been a thing, but it's the first time I'd heard of it, but it makes sense. 
Wow. So there can be no he's down but not out. He's just always got to be up. So uh, <laughs> this this article looks at it through the lens of the, the Fast and the Furious franchise and how uh, at one point Vin Diesel even created some sort of point system. It's like, all right, it's two points for a headbutt, one point for a leg sweep, and then he would like tally up the scores of each fight scene to make sure that he wasn't giving up more points than he was getting giving out. Boy, the stresses of people in different lines of work always strike you as odd when you hear about them, you know? I can see that. You don't want that for your look. If your whole look is you're a tough but cool guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they've also started introducing uh, creative ways to end fights, or not end fights, but to interrupt the fights, so mm. there's never really a clear winner or loser, right? So, so Jason Statham is fighting The Rock, but then oh, that's a good fight. But then they, <laughs> but then they realize that there's a bomb there. So then they both have to get out, and the, the fight is uh, um, always a to be ends, continued. Ends like a Monty Python sketch. A guy comes in, and says, "That's all. That's enough of this. You're all under arrest." <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Well, President Trump lays inner city decay and the bum explosion solidly at the feet. How many bums have exploded? Solidly at the feet of the Democrats. We gotcha. will be getting into that. And Elijah Cummings got his home broken into yes. in Baltimore by giant rats. That's Troubling. what I understand. <laughs> Troubling. Armstrong and Getty. Ratings in for the debates, and I think this speaks to uh, Sean's theory that debates are going to go away. And they should go away because they don't accomplish anything and they're not debates. Then they, they don't move the needle, but they're not. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. they're a winner. Right? Hardly anybody watches them. Hardly anybody watches them. So night two got a lot more people at 10.7 million viewers. 10 million viewers across uh, this whole country? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just not that you know, big a deal. I, I saw the numbers. Uh, the streaming numbers were somewhere in the, the 3 to 4 million, yeah, depending so on where you got it. 13 yeah. million, but yeah. still. Yeah. And then night one, 8.7 million television viewers. Yeah. And then another well, two on the, on the broadcast. I think you almost have to divide America in half because I understand that people who are just going to vote for a Republican no matter what, they might be idly curious, but they're not going to spend their evening but still, watching those... a bunch of uh, also-rans jabber about progressive politics. I get that. Nonetheless, I, you know what? Honestly, and this sounds self-serving, because it is, I think the proper way to take it in, because there are some highlights and lowlights and funny stuff and idiotic stuff, is is to listen to us the next day. Malarkey. We'll dis- Malarkey. I'm, I'm, I think I... Well... Uh, because it's not worth killing your whole evening over, but hearing some of it's kind of fun. So they lost about 50% of their audience from the first round of debates. Wow. Um, what? Yeah. Now that it's gotten winnowed slightly, theoretically, it's more important than ever. I'll be more interested when it when it settles on one night what the numbers look oh, like. Oh, and that reminds me, um, this this thing that's catching hold in a somewhat reduced clown show. Yes, as well. yes. Michael Moore said yesterday we should have gotten the clip. Michael Moore said yesterday our only hope is to nominate Michelle Obama. He G- said can, can the you give only me the <clears throat> only hope for the Democratic oh. Party to beat Trump is to nominate Michelle Obama with the crowd with the crowd that they currently. I have. agree with him that if she got in, she would run away with it. Why? I have no idea what that would look like. Because people like her? Yes, people like her, and there isn't 
a clear standout. D- despite Biden being at the top of the polls, I don't think he's got a chance. She'd and run away with yeah. the nomination. Yes, the okay. nomination, but, right. not the my president. Question, right. My question have, is yeah. not why is the ground ready for her? Why her as opposed to any other human being? She's ever? insanely popular, but part of it is because she hasn't been in politics. I don't know what her position is on any of these topics. Yeah, she's popular like the super pretty girl. Sorry, I'm a heterosexual man. I, I'll, I'll go with my metaphor. Really pretty girl you see across the restaurant. Wow, she's perfect. She's a goddess. She's the girl for me. Then you meet her. Hi! You know? <laughs> but as and soon as she takes a position... It's so nice to meet you. I just got out of prison. And you think, okay. As soon as she took a position, pick one topic, healthcare. As soon as she chooses one of those two, we're either going to stick with Obamacare. I don't believe any Democrat should support a plan that doesn't cover everybody. Okay, she's Going getting from, down. Or she goes with the uh, universal healthcare for everybody one, and then she gets killed by the Delaney's and all those people of the world and, and most of the country who believe we can't afford it. So, yeah. you know, as soon as you start taking positions, you're not as popular. Which is not to say that, you know, the uh, position expressed by Positive Sean is wrong. I no, I've heard I that think more he's than probably right. I, I, I <laughs> no, I think your, assertion, your assertion that positions matter at all in this, I think, is, is yet to be proven. Oh, touche. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Uh, it, yep. w- it would be ludicrous, though. <laughs> Good one. But that's a heck of a statement from a leading liberal voice. Our only chance. Well, listen. Michelle Obama, at this point, after watching 20 hours of debates. At least Hillary damn Clinton was, you know, a, a, a prominent lawyer and uh, a secretary of state. She was senator for a while, etc. You could absolutely make the case. Michelle Obama, Obama studiously avoided anything but better nutrition for kids. Well, that was the point of many uh, pundits. There's no way she'd run. She hates politics. She hates politics. Well, right. So I wonder if he was trolling. Final thought. Positive, Sean. What I think this is, it is more of an example that People on the left are looking at the field and saying, oh, no, we're going to lose, aren't we? Uh, I think yeah, that's clearly. what that's a yeah. symptom of. Yeah. Really. Well, that's that's the Tom Friedman column. Yep. Everybody says on the street, we're going to lose, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've taken all your time. What do you got, Marshall Phillips? Well, we got an update. President Trump tweeting about that reported robbery at the Baltimore home of Representative uh, Elijah Cummings. Trump tweeting, really bad news. The Baltimore home of Cummings was robbed too bad. Well... Police uh, typed with a uh, with a finger dipped in sarcasm. Yes. Oh my! <laughs> Police saying now they received a report of a burglary at three forty a.m. on Saturday at the West Baltimore home. Not known yet how much property was taken. Cummins press secretary is saying that the uh, representative is unavailable for comment at this time. <laughs> you talk about things that are beneath the president. Oh boy, <laughs> mocking the burglary of opponents' homes. <laughs> Well, Too bad. <laughs> well, listen. Oh my God. He was murdered and called a racist for saying That's Baltimore true. is crappy. And then the guy who has also said at length how crappy Baltimore yes. is, Elijah Cummings, gets robbed. The irony is at least a little bit yummy. It's like the sort of thing you do in morning radio, though. You're, you're right. the, the show across town gets robbed. Too bad. We're, we're not the president, though. <laughs> Meanwhile, and I wouldn't even do that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I want to skip down to the good news. We've got really good news. The U.S. economy hitting new highs. The economy adding 164,000 jobs in Yay! July. Total labor force hitting a record high of more than 163 million. The unemployment rate is steady at 3.7 percent. 
The July jobs report is the 17th consecutive month of an unemployment rate at or below 4%. That's incredible. Just goes to show you. And on top of all that, wages increased by more than 3% on a year-over-year basis. So wage increases are starting to come up as well. Uh, You know, listen. Listen. I have some personality flaws. One of them is I told you so. When the mainstream media was for the last couple of years saying... We're seeing low unemployment, but wages haven't risen. Wages haven't risen. And I said, listen, wages are a trailing indicator. It takes a while for pressure on the labor market to cause employers to to raise wages right. as they chase labor right. in a, a big enough way that it starts to register on a national scale. Mm-hmm. It takes a while for that to take shape. Well, now it's taking shape. The other part that gets left out of the discussion too much is the, the, the and, and people don't understand it, it doesn't get talked about, the, the, the amount of deregulation that has happened under Trump. Yeah. So many regulations gotten rid of that has allowed companies to do what they, they're going to do. Right. And right. help the economy along. And I guarantee you that goes the other direction with a new president. And the other thing I was crowing was that there's still slack in the labor participation rate. As more and more people get the word, right. hey, I see you talking to a couple of people around here. Participate in the labor. Yeah, it's a little slack, frankly. <laughs> talking to me. Anyway, um, so as, as more and more people heard, you know, the job market is pretty good. If I wanted right. to go back to work, I could right. probably get a decent gig. Mm-hmm. Them coming back back by the thousands and thousands and thousands also is going to postpone any upward pressure on wages. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it works. Now, having said that, we were challenged by a Democrat listener. You guys always bitched about the un- about the labor participation rate under Obama. Correct. That one of the reasons uh, unemployment was low is because so many people had left the workforce. Right. Well, the labor participation rate plunged and plunged and plunged and plunged after 08. But here's the interesting part. It plunged from like 65.7%. So, yeah, we're di- dividing up percentages. Mm-hmm. From 657 all the way down to 62.4. So, you know, 4% roughly. It's now ticked up again from the bottom, and it waffles around 63%. 63, yeah. And has now for, for five years. So we may just be at now 63 is the new normal. Don't know. So do we have waffles, or did you just lie? I, uh, you need to listen more closely, Sean. There are no waffles, but there is waffling. All right, my friends, that's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. I wonder how many people were working and laboring, stopped working and laboring, and thought, you know, we are bringing enough money in, mm-hmm. and uh, my life's pretty good. I think I'll just keep doing this. And or there are a lot of people on the government dole, a hell of a lot of people. They got the the schools feeding their kids for some reason in the summertime and feeding adults in the summertime, and uh, and they figure, why would I work? So, I don't know. This Mo- stuff's so complicated. Millennials have killed razors. The FBI may be adding Antifa to the list of extremist uh, ideologies out there. It Finally. hasn't? No. Uh-oh. Hey, FBI, wake up! Among other things on the yeah. way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. It's not enough just to beat Trump. 
The only way to remove Trump is to crush Trump. And that's the question that has to be asked. Who can crush Trump? Who's the street fighter? We saw it in Bernie last night. Who's the street fighter that can crush Trump? And frankly, I think there's a person that could do this. If the election were held today, there is one person that would crush Trump. And she hasn't announced yet. And her last name rhymes with Obama. In fact, <laughs> it is Obama. Michelle Obama. Everybody watching this right now knows she is a beloved American. And she would go in there and she would beat him. She would beat him in the debates. He wouldn't be able to bully her. He wouldn't be able to nickname her. And, and, and she is beloved. Oh, yeah, he would. Um, <laughs> the nickname part. Well, whether it would work or not. Yeah. Um, uh, that's uh, Michael Moore. I don't know how much cachet he has with uh, the liberal wing of the, the younger liberal wing of the party at this point for Democrats, but he used to be a big deal. Michael think Moore thinks unhinged. Michelle Obama is the only chance. So I well, think he's think. dreaming. We, we, we discussed that. I guess we'll see if it happens. She is the empty vessel. I, I would lay off my way. Right, which is often quite appealing. Oh, yeah, no yeah, doubt. Un- until, no doubt. until, as is inevitable in a presidential campaign, you got to fill the vessel. If you get enough head of steam, even Barack Obama in the book uh, Game Game Change, was that the name of the book? Could be. Moby um, Dick. That uh, that was written about that campaign. He even, he even realized at some point the momentum was just, you know, people are assigning things to me that I haven't said or, you know, or my positions or whatever. You, you can get enough ahead of a steam with just everybody just assumes that they, they agree with me because I'm likable. And, and you keep it vague. Yeah. Which yeah, is okay. smart. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Stop sending us emails and texts suggesting that o- Michelle Obama is a, a man. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Lay off my way. 459 days till the election. So. The latest thing mm-hmm. online is that there are no pictures in existence of her pregnant. Oh, God. I know. I know. But my point, with 459 days to go to the election, we really need to get all our analysis in right now. Because right? we're running out of time. So right? That, so that wasn't a mistake. It was. It's still more than 400 days. I thought maybe you misstated it the first no, time. No, no, no. It's like 459 it days. Next month That's or something. It's, horrific. It's two months more than 400 days. Oh, oh no. Which is really hard to think you about. Just well, how, well, okay, let's get some context. How many days are in a year? Like 1,000? <laughs> right? Well, wow. we have 365 days in a year. So, yeah, (laughs) I feel every time you or I or somebody points that out, I feel like a guy who wakes up the next morning and realizes they did something terrible while they were drunk. I think, (laughs) what was, why was I talking about that just now? How did I end up in that situation? It's a weird obsession that it's fun sport. Yeah. I mean, it's fun sport to us. It's people who are always angry about this stuff that, that, I think it's probably not very healthy, but, you know, you live your life the way you choose. <sighs> Boy, the general election's going to seem like it's five years long when it's down to just two people. Brrr. Every day it's Trump versus Biden or whoever the heck it is, and who said what about who? And, oh, my yeah, but God. these things, they, they, they contain, like a Shakespearean tragedy, Jack, uh, these things contain the seeds of their own destruction. And the complete overemphasis of politics, for instance, um, which which I get because now the government's in charge of everything. And so it's more natural you'd think about politics all the time. It's an incredibly unhealthy way to run a society, but there you are, and there you have it. Um, but the obsession with the election, I think it will beat the love of it out of people. And so 
it might shorten up the cycle. It definitely, again. It definitely could be like... What's or people it? just tune out in August and say, wake me in mid-October. Yeah, there are a couple of examples of this. Next maybe, August, not now. Maybe, <laughs> there are a couple of examples of this, um, um, like uh, the spelling bee. Just like, oh, we're kind of on it. A couple of years really into it. It's just, uh, I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. Yeah. Um, could it be like that? Just to following it as a sport and talking about it all the time? I wonder if people could get tired of it and to a certain extent, like, you know, ads on the Super Bowl and just, you know, things that are very exciting for a couple of years and people are into it and they think, ah, I, I kind of get it. If there is a God, yes, that will happen. Yes. Hmm. Uh, we got this text. We were talking earlier about a uh, crazy, crazy curriculum that's being um, proposed for. Schools in California, and California often leads the way because... The ethnic studies model curriculum. It's stupid, but it just works this way. The people that make textbooks, uh, California's the biggest you know market for the school textbooks. So they, they make them to work for California. It's the same way with cars and a variety of other things, a lot of other products. They make them to California standards for the rest of the country. It's just a cheaper way to do it. Anyway... Uh, it's the way my dad made his living, by the way, for most of his adult life in the textbook uh, industry. Hmm. Uh, bravo! I'll ask him about it someday. Bravo, guys, for exposing the horrible, dangerous ethnic studies proposal. Many thanks from me, a retired teacher in California. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see where this is all going. Well, and you know, I, I, I you call it Herkstery now, you see. It's H-X-R-stery. Hmm. Anyway, I, I'm sure the people who pump out this bizarro jargon and this uh, indoctrination of children into far, far, far left ideology, they would say, well, you're just white supremacists. Um, nothing could be further from the truth, and... That is not a defense of your bizarro neo-communist doctrine. And it's it's astounding to me it's even being considered, much less ready to be implemented. But a lot of texts about Michelle Obama running for... Don't you think, and I agree with this text, don't you think Barack would turn... If she brought that up, wouldn't he turn her and say, you're going to what now? Aren't we got this fantastic life now. People right. are leaving us alone. Yeah, we're worshipped. You know, no, 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 no. I don't think she has any desire. I don't think so either. Okay. If she does, she'll make that clear. I think pretty, pretty, speaking of attractive women, Gavin Newsom is a more likely late draftee, the governor of Cal Unicornia. You follow these uh, Twitter worlds and stuff, Sean. Is there any name that people throw around that they wish they would somebody jump in? Michelle Obama's the first one that really seemed to get any sort of like I I hear you guys mention Newsom more than any anybody that I follow on Twitter in terms of a oh I wonder what'll happen if he gets in the which is really interesting because for my entire adult life if there is a reasonably popular governor of California a democrat well uh, both I'm sorry both parties they're always mentioned on the short list of who might be an attractive yeah. candidate. Yeah. Do you think Kamala Harris with her California background is kind of already occupying that lane? Uh yeah. Yeah. Is there a lane? I don't know. Well, there wasn't there a theory that Gavin and Kamala got together and talked this over, and he said he wouldn't run? And No, that was the she could be the senator and he would be the governor oh, agreement. Right, right, right. right In right. a one-party state, that's how it is. It's like, you know, uh, Mussolini and his uh, people dividing up Italy into provinces they would control. It's there very you, much like that. There you go. What one, about- it's a one-party state, Jack. Don't you make that face at me. So I just- one party. Mm, we worship were, it, salute it, beg it for your life. 
If you have kids and you haven't been to Toy Story 4, and I realize it came out several weeks ago. and Now lot, there's a transition. A lot of people feel like that you've got to uh, you got to be first in. If you, if you have kids and you haven't gone to Toy Story 4, it's definitely the scariest one of them all. And my, my son, because of the variety of problems that I've described over the years and the medicines he's on, he's, he's more susceptible to this sort of thing. But he, he had trouble getting asleep and was up at 4 this morning with oh, nightmares man. because of these, these dummies, ventriloquist dummies, that are... Freaking frightening! I mean, oh they, they were Dummy. As, they were as scary as any scary, <laughs> scary movie I've practically seen. Really? Yeah, in Toy Story Four. Well, Pixar's good at what they do. With even this if evil it's that. girl doll who wanted to take Woody's voice box. I want to speak too, Woody. Oh, and the dummies oh, she's a are freaking me out. And he finally gives in and decides to help his friends. Okay. Just do the right thing with it. And the dummies close in on him. And all you hear is like screams and muffles and stuff like oh, that as they, man. as they disembowel him, basically. Oh, Joe man. Biden is it's, a dummy. It's pretty gruesome by Toy Story 4. He gets brave-hearted. He's just yelling, yes, freedom! Exactly. Right. Exactly. Woody gets brave-hearted. And then Buzz wades in with his lightsaber, or lightsaber and just cuts him to pieces. Jabs him in her eyes. And this, and this this doll who just looks into a mirror, I've been waiting for you, Woody. Oh, cut it I out. mean, it's, it's saying it like that. You're going to give me nightmares. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.